All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Network Hour podcast. I am your host, Molly Kreese. And today I have a special guest with me, the young Black entrepreneur, boss woman, Erica Miles, of owner of I Am Brown Originations. Erica is passionate about social justice, diversity, and inclusion, which led to her becoming an entrepreneur highlighting minority-owned brands and spaces. And today we're going to talk to Erica about her business. We're going to talk about who she is. We're going to learn so much today in this podcast. And so I want to give a warm welcome to Erica to the Network Hour podcast. Erica, welcome. Thank you, Molly, for having me. Great introduction. I don't think I've been <laughs> ever introduced in that form or that way, I was like, ooh, my heart is warm. <laughs> now the pressure is on. So I'm hoping that whatever I say uh, hits because <laughs> I can't miss now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm so excited for this podcast because um, I was reading up on your profile and all your mentions in the different spaces. And you seem like such a light, such a, a person that young entrepreneurs, women can look up to and really see that if she's doing it, I can do it too. So we, we're going to get into it. We're going to learn more about you and hopefully inspire someone that's listening to this podcast. So I want to ask you, who is Erica Miles? Tell me who is Erica Miles. Who, Erica Miles, she's a lot of things. Um, mm -hmm. And the, the, the book is still being written on that. However, I can just tell you like, with me just being in spaces um, growing up when I was younger, uh, I was born in Richmond, Virginia, moved down to Atlanta, Georgia in the 90s in Stone Mountain, where it wasn't that great of a uh, time to be in Atlanta in the 90s. But um, I was able to, uh, when I was younger, it's weird, I was able to be around a lot more minorities than when I grew up. Um, I was, you know, I grew up with Hispanics, other Black people, white people that didn't have a lot of privilege. I knew one of my best friends, his name was Peyton. He lived in, you know, the trailer homes and stuff like that, but that was normal to us. Like there was no judgment over there. And then all of a sudden my parents got a good opportunity. They're entrepreneurs themselves, but I never looked at myself as an entrepreneur. We moved out to a suburb and then that's when I started being confronted with racism for the first time, but oh, wow. didn't know that racism it was just like oh these people are just being mean but it's like now that I'm getting older it's like no they were racist like you fit some sort of a description and they were vocal about it and they knew that there was no consequences with being vocal or or taking action onto it because they have the privilege on their side so you know it was just an eye-opener to just go through and be the black girl in the suburbs or whatnot, you know, trying to fit in or trying to figure out what's going on or trying to give white people the benefit of the doubt, right? Of like them not being racist, they're just probably a messed up person. And then all of a sudden, you know, when I get to college, I go to a community college, I am confronted with racism again uh, on a softball team that I was on. And it wasn't a great experience, but I was able to bounce back. And then I transferred to HBCU where I had people that looked like me, but I felt like they could see through me because maybe they thought I was maybe the white girl on campus because I talk proper or I talk a certain way or I dress a certain way. Or, you know, I don't fit in a certain, I don't fit in a girl from the hood yeah. depiction. I never claimed that I'm from the hood, but also like, I'm not totally preppy, preppy and suburban all the time. Like, I feel like I'm a good fit, kind of like Issa Rae and Insecure. Like, she's not, yeah. she's not necessarily like speaking Spanish and clean. And so I think, I think my experiences, good and bad, have kind of molded me into the person that I am today, which 
you know, with therapy, it has helped. And also with the pandemic that, that has happened, that's what made me decide to be an entrepreneur. I'm like, no, I can do this by myself. I don't need to work underneath somebody, a nine to five in, in order to be successful. I can be successful with that and having an additional source of income or a business on the side. That that's, long. <laughs> that's a, no, that's amazing. That's definitely amazing. Uh, tell me about, so we've talked about who Erica is, but what, what do you do for fun? What, what, what lights you up? What makes you goofy, giddy that you just got to do it? Take the pressure off stress-free. What do you do for fun? Um, I'm not going to lie. I go, I go on TikTok a lot more and I just look at videos and I just laugh. Cause I'm like, Oh my gosh, like people are just like ridiculous. Or you look at like world star and you just like, how do people think of this stuff? Or why do people think that this is okay? But it's like, it gives me laughter. So sometimes when I'm watching like comedy or just like ratchet stuff, I start laughing or, you know, whatever the case may be, but I really like to I like to go out and I like to do stuff that's kind of like adventure or sporty. So like I will do theme parks, I will go to ropes course, I will do rock climbing. There's times where I'm like, I just wanna relax and I'm just gonna treat myself to a facial or a massage or get my hair done, which I'm getting my hair done today after this <laughs> interview. <laughs> so, you know, um, there's times where it's like, no, I just, I don't even want to think about anything else. Let me just do something that's adventurous, like go bowling, axe throwing, whatever the case may be. But then there's times where I'm like, no, I just need to decompress and relax. And I'll sit back and watch TV or like I say, get that massage or that facial because the body needs it. So yeah. Yeah. Axe throwing. I have to try that. I see people doing that all the time. I'm like, is somebody gonna hurt themselves? But I think I, I I would love to try it. I could never get into. I guess it's this generation with the TikTok. I, I tried doing it for my business. I think I have an account and I probably posted like three videos and and that's it. But I could never get into the whole attraction of the TikTok. I don't I don't know any anyway. Um question to you so you mentioned in your introduction about who Erica is and all that stuff you mentioned that you're an entrepreneur and we're going to get into that but what I want to ask you is how have you always wanted to be an entrepreneur was this something that you taught about in college or was it something new that you um, developed after college and having some experience in the in the corporate world or whatever and deciding okay I want to jump into entrepreneurship how did you how did you transition into that well I would say I I am just transitioned to it like I'm new to it I didn't think about this until the pandemic like mm -hmm. or how everybody else probably thought of it as well you know you grow up and you're taught to go to school get that college degree and you work your nine to five until it's time to retire or whatnot. Mm -hmm. And I'm not gonna lie, I have had some great experience working in the workplace, but I, but I had a lot more negative. And the thing about it is not like work wasn't being done or completed. <sighs> I, I might sound lazy, I might sound bad, <laughs> but I don't, I don't believe in waking up at five, six, seven o'clock in the morning and then having to get in my car and get get to work at a certain time and stay at a desk on a computer for nine. Oh eight. my gosh it's exhausting isn't it right and then you're caught up in traffic sometimes you're hungry so you want to stop and get something so, something to eat sometimes the workplace doesn't provide breakfast for you free breakfast at that so it's like what am I rushing for and like that's why right now it's like I'm fortunate to work in the remote space that you know, if work starts at nine, I can get up at 8.15, brush my teeth. I don't have to get totally dressed for work. I can cook myself something quick to eat or pop something in the oven or the, uh, the, the toaster and boom, I'm right there for a meeting. And so, you know, I, there's, I, I think before the pandemic, there was this like, anytime when I hear an entrepreneur, I'm like, oh, so basically, you're saying that you work for, for yourself. That's a, just a classic way of saying that like, you're probably a broker. You don't have 
you're like, you don't want to work because mm-hmm. the way to work is to work this nine to five. And, you know, sometimes you got to do what you have to do to do what you want to do later and stuff like that. But then, you know, there's been jobs where they don't treat you right. Or, you know, they want you to give them a two weeks notice and when you're gone, but they don't give you a two weeks notice when they're about to fire you or let you go. And it's just kind of like, it's just like I always thought about like hmm maybe I could like own a store and have people work for me to make extra income on the side but I'm always still going to work that nine to five that nine to five and then the pandemic happened and then you know I had to move back home I had to be on unemployment I literally finished an internship mind you I had a master's degree at this time and I was like 27 I was like I'm doing an internship for thirty thousand dollars a year and here it is, this pandemic has happened. And now I have to be looking for jobs that are now 35 grand instead of like the 40 or the 45 that I wanted to reach beforehand. People would tell me even more before the pandemic, like, you know, your first job after your internship, the, you might not pass 40K. You have to be okay with 35 to 40 or 45K. And I'm like, no, I got bills and I got loans. What is 35K going to do for me? Not with a master's degree. Not, not with a master's degree. Like, why, 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 like, did I, did I, why did I take out this loan that's not 35K? It's worth a little bit more than 35K. And yet I can't seem to pay that back within two or three years working at certain jobs because this is the norm. And so I think also what kind of drove me to be an entrepreneur is like, after the pandemic or during the pandemic, uh, I was visiting my uncle up in Virginia for the summer and he was telling me about a situation. And I think this is when my aha moment happened. He was telling me about a situation. He works for the post office, but he owns a lot of property. So he has people that rent out his spaces and he makes money for that really good passive income. He told me that one time at his job, something happened and they suspended him for a week. And he's like, oh, okay. I, I guess I'll see you guys in a week. Completely cool, calm and collected. Literally like two days later, they call him back saying that they need him to be on the floor. And he's like, well, what happened to that week suspension that I had? And they were like, oh, well, you know, we can lift that or, you know, delete it or excuse it. We just need you to be back on the floor. And that's when my uncle was saying like, when you have your own business that's actually making more or just the same amount as your nine to five job, whatever an employee does to you, it doesn't matter because you're content. You are like, this is not the only source of income that you have. Cause I know me, if somebody was to say, Erica, you're suspended, especially with no pay, I would have freaked out. I like, I have, I have been in work situations where I had to like bite my tongue and not say things to upset them even though I'm in the right because they have the power to restrict my income or whatnot and him he was just like you know I'll choose if I want to go back and he was like well no I'm already out I'll probably be back in the next two days and they had to sit there and just be okay with it because they originally suspended him. And I feel like that was such a powerful move, like a power move that I have never done before or never been in a space to do that for. And that's what something said was like, Erica, you need multiple sources of income because you can't allow people, people people will treat you how they want to or what you allow them to do. And when you show them like, hey, I really don't need this job. So if you want to treat me in that type of form, that's completely fine, but I'm going to be completely content without it, with or without it. The power, you you regain your own, your own sense of power. And I think that that's so, I think every minority needs that, especially living in this white filled world. Yeah. You, you're so right about that. I think the light bulb went off for a lot of people during the pandemic because they realized that because a lot of people lost their jobs. A lot of people, even though you didn't lose, lose your job and your boss wanted to keep things just to have you, they cut your pay. So if you were paying paid a certain amount and you already budgeted for this, let's say you're getting $1,500 
every two every quarter or whatever you've already budgeted your bills and everything with this fifteen hundred dollars and then up comes the pandemic and your pay is cut and you're now bringing home a thousand instead of fifteen hundred now you gotta go shift some things around some things might not get paid and all of these kind of stuff and i think the the reality of the pandemic and needed multiple incomes brought that out and people are like now I can't just depend on a job I have to do other things to get multiple streams of income so that if if one fall out here I know I'm gonna be okay over here so you're definitely you're definitely right about that yeah thank you if I can also add um I feel like entrepreneurship especially like for some reason now especially in this generation of millennials and I think it's a Gen Z now um yeah. it's like entrepreneurship is like idolized like if you're not an entrepreneur da, 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 da. and I just want to make sure like people that are listening or even thinking about entrepreneurship but don't know where to go you can be rich you can retire early you can still have multiple incomes and still work a nine to five I still work a part-time position working remotely that I'm trying to get to possibly maybe becoming full-time while I'm still trying to build my, my business. That doesn't make me less of an entrepreneur. And I think my, I think uh, one of my colleagues, her name is um, Kiera McClendon. She was even telling me like, just because you work of, uh, for another company, that doesn't make you less of an entrepreneur. If anything, it enhances you more because now you have to do somebody else's job and do your own. And I feel like if you know, if you're not an entrepreneur, you feel like I don't have that entrepreneur spirit, that doesn't make you less of a person or less of anything. If, you know, you can always help somebody's business out and always be the second man and that be your entrepreneurship, being a freelance, helping other businesses, you know, with their branding or their outreach or whatever the case may be. So, I mean, I just want to put that out there because I know like a lot of people idolize entrepreneurship and it's hard work. It's, it's hard. Not- it's not for the week. I will say that. And if you don't have the entrepreneur spirit, that's okay. You can still be rich. You can still do things. You can still, you're still viable. <laughs> like there's so many different ways to make money, but yeah, entrepreneurship. Whew. Yeah. It's definitely not for the faint of heart because yeah. there are going to be those days where the money doesn't come in as you wanted it to. And if you're a sole solepreneur, then that means you're wearing all the hats. You're doing the marketing, you're doing the business side, you're doing the, the financial side, you're doing all these things by yourself. And it, come, it can become overwhelming. So you definitely have to have a mindset for, for entrepreneurship when you dive into being an entrepreneur and knowing it's not gonna happen overnight. It has to be consistency in, in really going towards your goals. So I wanted to ask this, why is it important for you to, because you are a young black woman entrepreneur. So you have uh, some, um, some people would refer to it as having uh, probably three, three, three strikes against you. You're young, you're black, and you're a woman. So why is it important for you to show up as a black woman successful in entrepreneurship and and put that message out there to others others looking at you because i have no choice but to be you like you said i already have three strikes i'm young i'm black and i'm a woman <laughs> and also i don't conform to white corporate america guidelines if you will i do believe in dyeing your hair a different color i don't believe that you have to work have to dress a certain way to show that to show people that they should take you seriously mm-hmm. you know I don't conform to those norms and as you kind of and now as this generation is like molding remote positions are becoming more popular we're starting to steer away from that but I always been that way like I feel like I've been ahead of my time I've just been in a space where you know you have to sit down shut up and be quiet and not be seen and now it's like no like I'm always going to be seen, even when I try not to be seen or try to like hide or form or mold or what whatnot. I still, I still um, uh, stand out. So I think that it's important for minorities 
to show up as authentic and transparent as they can to show like, yes, I might have these three strikes against me, but I'm worth the challenge. I'm worth the money. I'm worth getting to know. And I think that, especially, I hate to say it, but sometimes in communities of color, we feel like, you know, when we have this really good thing, this good secret or whatnot, we want to keep it close to ourselves and not have to share it and not have to share it. And it's like, it doesn't have to be like that. We can all win. We can all partner with with one another. We can all uh, profit and put money in towards, you know, with one another to, to build. I remember a story of five uh, Black men, young Black men, I think they took two years to, to save up $500 a week. They all decided to buy a property or buy a home. And that was their first sense of entrepreneurship and income you know they saved up they 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 put their money together it took two years or whatnot and they were able to buy a property and profit from it now it's kind of like you know if you don't have it on your own you're probably not going to get it or you know you can't just trust everybody and anybody and stuff like that I'm not saying that to trust everybody anybody because there's people that don't know how to manage certain finances right or really don't know what it's like to really work hard or be an entrepreneur for certain things however I think that we we win better together than we do apart and that's why I think that you know seeing that black people we make up what five or ten percent of the entrepreneurial rate here in America yeah is less for Hispanics. I think Middle Easterns are probably a little bit higher than than Black um, Americans, and then I think Asians are up there too. But you know, they're they're stereotyping doing the hair care products or the beauty stores, or the Muslim they're doing like you know whatever wings or Philly cheesesteak restaurants or yeah. So you know, we're still this much in the world and I think that you know when we when it's important for us to show who we are and we're, and it's supposed and you're supposed to be okay with people not being cool with that and moving on to the next because there's going to be a lot of people that do not like the word I am brown or the name I am brown because you know I get well what about if I said I am white that comes off as racist and it's like well if you don't understand the concept it's not for you. This is not going to work. So I'm just going to move on to somebody that, that understands the concept. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad yeah. that you. I'm glad that you mentioned that because that's a great segue for you to tell us about I Am Brown, and and where did the name originate from? Why did you Why did you name your um, company that? And tell us more about the business and and what the business is all about. Yes. Yeah, so I I am Brown origination is kind of like a love letter to my younger self of like all like again I I feel like when I was growing up I was miss majority discriminated on my skin on how dark my skin was than being a woman and sometimes just being like black I feel like if I was like a lighter skin woman I wouldn't have or a lighter skin girl I wouldn't have encountered some of the things that I encountered I probably would have encountered it but it wouldn't have been it would have been less, I'm trying to think of the word, uh, it, would, it wouldn't have been as much as mm -hmm. if I was a lighter skin complexion. So I was like, I am brown originations. And my mom didn't like it because she's like, it's too bold. You know, people might not, you know, deal with it. And I was like, if they don't, and, and, and one thing about me, I do not care what people think. If you don't rock with it, you don't rock with it. Don't don't buy from it. That's how I feel about it. But somebody's gonna buy from it. Somebody's yeah. gonna somebody's gonna like the boldness. So, you know, we're still slowly but surely trying to get away from that. But Iron Brown Originations. Um, if you look at my logo, the I will be lowercase. And the reason why the I is lowercase is because the I stands for impact. But as minorities we are treated as lowercase letters. We are treated as not valuable people. We're never in the uppercase positions. We're never, we're, we're not treated like, we're not treated as we have privilege. And so as we've seen with the voting polls with Joe Biden and um, Donald Trump, 
you see that I is lowercase, but it's the largest letter in the whole logo because we make the biggest impact. We might be treated as lowercase, but we make the biggest impact. That's why it's in lowercase I, but it's like the biggest letter in the logo brand. And so AM, AM stands really for my initials, Erica Miles, mm-hmm. but it just made it, you know, I guess mold better with I am brown. And the word brown, you will see that the B and the R are lowercase, but the O-W-N are uppercase because I'm telling people to own their brownness. Nice. So, and you'll see like the rays of sunshine. Well, actually we're kind of, um, we're kind of trying new things with the logo now. Um, now in the next few weeks, we're going to redo the logo, but the logo that I currently have with the sign, you'll see the different shades of brown on the sun ray because mm-hmm. I want people to own their brownness no matter how light they are nor how dark they are like you own it that's who you are you can't like your skin is nothing to be ashamed of your skin is everything to be proud of and what people think think or treat you about that speaks more about them than you so that's kind of my way of of giving a big middle finger to racist be like yeah I am brown originated <laughs> and I'm proud of it and there's nothing you can do about it. Buy from it or don't. <laughs> that's amazing. That's that's I I love that explanation of the of the name and the logo. Um, I think that explanation should be definitely spread all over your website because uh, it's uh, it's definitely uh, a great pitch pitch to your business. So so talk about the business. What what is it? So. <clears throat> The business is growing. Um, I started off as a vending machine um, business where I own vending machines and I was partnering with um, some local business owners or even non-local. I I partnered with a guy out in um, Baltimore uh, to put their homemade like products inside the vending machine because I kind of wanted to, I wanted to give small business owners an opportunity to kind of be in that first place as we see like there's brands like Lay's chips uh Sprite's Coke and all that that you know are consistently getting business and stuff and now they're 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 you you can't go anywhere without seeing them I wanted to give small business owners like that platform to have their products inside my vending machine so that people could try something new now that is still growing. I'm still trying to partner with a lot more um, small business owners to get things, you know, together with that vending machine so we can get more products because there are some products that, you know, I had to go to the Sam's Club and kind of replace or have that as a placeholder until that is filled with other products. But I, I like where it is right now because it gets students that's where I have my vending machines on off-campus student housing right now it gives students like the opportunity to try something new and they can do their research of like oh I tried this cookie it was pretty good I wonder who who makes it and stuff like that and so you know if I can kind of combine stuff that they already are accustomed to to things that they are not accustomed to it could give them that balance to like try something new and to help another um, business owner, because like I put on my vending machines, for every dollar you put inside this vending machine, you are helping a, a minority business owner. So that was my way of just kind of marketing it. And now I am trying to uh, start a 360 photo booth business in the next few months, maybe in the beginning of next year. Um, I really like events. I really like like party planning and like kind of having people you know, feel good about their event or their space. And there's, they're becoming very popular. There's a couple here in Dallas, but you know, Dallas is, is a huge metro, metroplex, but I'm trying to expand on that and see like how that goes and stuff. And also have another source of income and kind of bring my name out and stuff before I start, you know, with something else. But so far um, the vending machines, we have three we're about to have three vending machines on three different locations. I'm about to put the third one out within um, the next two weeks and stuff like that. So we're slowly growing-ish. We started in September with that and now it's May. So still slow, but we're slowly trying to get 
then to brand a name out, trying to network my way so that people know to contact me for certain things that we have services for. That's a that's amazing. It's a, it's a really amazing concept and a great idea. So how many how many vending machines do you have so far that are functional? Three. 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 So I have three. Um, and I'm trying and I'm putting it on three locations. Mm -hmm. And um, the property manager, she one of the property managers, she out of those three locations, she manages two of them. Mm -hmm. So that right there, I'm just like, okay, well, hopefully she can help with expanding my business by being okay with my, you know, vending machines and her helping me get to other locations by letting other property managers know that are in the DFW area that I do vending machines and that I do a good job. Uh, the way that I got those two locations is because um, that apartment complexes, they, they hired another or they hired a vending company that did not go out and stock timely. You know, they had to call and say like, hey, you need to stock the machines because it's, it, it ran out and things of that nature. And basically I remember getting turned down at first because they just hired that vending company to, you know, work for them. And then just like that, I wanna say half a year later, they call on me back saying like, hey, we actually wanna use your services because the services that we got here is not working. And I offer my vending machine for free. The only thing that I get is just a profit from the machine that people you know, buy snacks and drinks from. So um, yeah, basically somebody messed up on the opportunity and it was my time to shine. And I'm going to keep shining because I love money and I love my opportunity and I want a, a good reputation, so. Uh, that is that is great she said she loved money <laughs> that's great that that's amazing so it seems like uh three and and so soon you're gonna get from three to six to nine and and then you're gonna get them get them all over tell me about what have been some of the some of the challenges of of you um, getting into this business and doing this, I I would imagine that you've you've hit some some roadblocks. What were some of those? Oh man, um, like I didn't create anything new. All I did was reinvent the wheel. So it's like, you know, how do you compete with other people that already have a vending machine inside their their facility, right? So they already have a vending machine. How, how does mine stand out? Mm -hmm. And that's where I came up with like, well, actually I help support minority businesses inside my vending machine. And, you know, that's what I just kind of branch off of. And then, you know, people have higher ups, they have bosses. So they have to pitch that to their bosses mm -hmm. and then they have to figure out like, hey, do you really need a service or are we okay with what we have? And I'm not gonna lie, I have, reached out to a hundred people at the very least, just by myself within three months time. Mm -hmm. And I literally got all no's except for two. And that's because of the two properties that I am in right now. Mm -hmm. The first one was a black man who gave me an opportunity. He loved it. He had a little bit more, let me, he had a little bit more power in his position. So he wasn't, he didn't have to necessarily, like he got Get his high higher ups. He went to the higher ups, but he pitched it in a way that's like, oh no, we like need this. And I have been here for years. He had built up a great rapport. And mm -hmm. so he was able to advocate for me in that mm -hmm. space. So uh, shout out to Charles at Maverick Place <laughs> if he's watching. <laughs> um, and then, uh, uh, like I said, a, a woman at um, another apartment complex, she was basically, basically, I came in because somebody else messed up. So if they didn't, so if they didn't mess up, I wouldn't have had my two locations after that. I would have still just been stuck on one. And I was stuck on one from September all the way to, to February. So that mm -hmm. was like four or five months of just being stuck with one vending machine while trying to expand. Mm -hmm. But you know, they say, they say all it does is start off with one, then eventually two will happen then three will happen yeah and then, and then before I know it I won't have to market as much it'll just be there yes yeah. so 
Um, like I'm, I'm very excited about it, but I also know, and, and maybe this kind of goes back to our conversation about entrepreneurship, not being for the faint of heart, you know, I'm not gonna lie. It's another, another issue is you're doing this work all by yourself. You're wearing all the hats. I am now next, next month, I'm going to post it on LinkedIn and stuff. I'm hiring for an assistant. (laughs) I am hiring for assistant. So what I've been doing is um, and this is what's so important about networking with people. I was able to network with one of my really good friends who owns a home. And he said that he needed, he wanted to hurry up and pay his mortgage, you know, quicker, but he would never have luck on getting people to rent his rooms or whatnot. And I was like, well, have you tried Airbnb or VRBO and stuff like that? I did it before in Seattle when, um, I had my studio and every time when I went out on vacation, I made sure to put it up there so that I had some money to help pay for the vacation. And I was like, maybe we can do the same thing for you. Like, you know, I'll take some money to help me with my business and you take the rest to help you with your mortgage. And we were able to make a deal. So basically the money that I'm using for the, for that Airbnb will help with the, the cost of me getting an assistant, which I can only pay at a certain amount a month but you know I try to make sure that they're not working past 10 hours that is very simple or not simple work um if it's a college student I definitely want want it to be on their resume or something to highlight and stand out so you know and majority of the work is remotely so they don't have to necessarily drive everywhere and get certain things like maybe if there's a certain event they'll have to drive but they'll get reimbursed for gas because I know gas is high nowadays so I try to make it like okay I might can't pay you much but it is going to be worth it yeah I can't do it by myself like that's a that's another hard hard thing you're doing it all by yourself my content is not that great right now, but it will be once I hire this assistant. Um, and like, you know, you can't do it by yourself. You get worn out and I'm working a part-time job. Yeah, yeah. And the last thing I would say, like the hard part is that like, if you're an entrepreneur, especially when you have other people working for you, you have to be okay with being in business and paying yourself last sometimes. Yeah. I know sometimes in like we think about money and how much am I making and how much am I getting, but your employees, they need a paycheck. They looking, they, without them, you're back to square one being by yourself and having to do it all over again. So I also tell people that with entrepreneurship, like be okay being in the field of paying yourself last. That's what I also heard from my uncle, my mom, and my dad you got to be okay with paying your employees first and you just getting the remainders afterwards yeah sometimes you'll have days where it's like up skyrocketing you're profiting and there's gonna be times where you're not making as much but guess what they did the work and they're Mm -hmm. great workers right you got to pay them yeah yeah definitely definitely uh i have this question what have you uh, what have you discovered about yourself through this through this journey of, of entrepreneurship? Have you discovered anything new? I am a lot more driven than I thought I was. Like my ambition, my ambition <laughs> can be a good thing or a bad thing because I don't like to take no as an answer. Like I'm like, okay, I hear you, you say no, but I'm go- we're going to recircle later let me get a little bit more experience let me get a little bit more let me get a little bit more buzz and then I'll try to make you change your mind like I like I feel like some people say like is me being spoiled or me being hard-headed but I don't like to take no as an answer and it's like it, it it really gets to me and stuff like that but I'm just super like ambitious and then also I realize like I'm not as patient with my business as I should be like I'm very like this is happening and this is supposed to work why am I not getting in return like what's going on what do I need to change and stuff like that but and and then there's gonna be times where I I do get down because I remember one time with my vending machines especially in the beginning at first it was hitting it was popping boom 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 and then it kind of stopped but then also it was the holiday season a lot of the students were going home and I probably only netted 30 or $40 that month. And I was just not happy 
for the month of November, December, and January mm-hmm. holiday. So I was just not happy with it. But yeah, I'm not. I I would say I discover I'm not as patient as I am. I am extremely ambitious, and then there's times where you know, I go in my bubble and I soak a little bit and I'm just like, why is this not happening and stuff like that? But then again, I bounce right back up, you know, kick me down nine times. I'm going to get back up 10. And that that's important as an entrepreneur, you got to get back up because you're going to, you're going to have some of those times where you are not down and you don't feel like going any further and you have to have that willpower within yourself to say, I know this is my goal and I, I have to get back up and get to it. What advice would you give to, to young women listening to this podcast, um, res- look, listening to your story and it's resonating with them and they're looking to take that leap, um, whether it be into entrepreneurship or whatever goal they have set forward for themselves? What advice would you give to them? Be prepared for a lot of no's. Be prepared for a lot of uh, runarounds. Because some people, they just, there's people that are super nice, but they don't want to tell you no, but they're not necessarily telling you yes. So you're like always responding back like, hey, any update on that? And it's just like, it's the same thing over and over again. But you got to, you got to be persistent until you actually hear that no. Mm-hmm. So um, I would say like, just know that there's always somebody out there that's competing with you. Um, you know, unless you're in, in inventing the new something, if you're just reinventing the wheel, like how I am, you know, you have to, sh- you have to showcase what makes your product more or your services more valuable than what somebody already has or is thinking of having. And how do you stand out and stuff? It's all about marketing. It's all about thinking outside that box. Um, and as women, like, you know, it's hard being a woman. Like we have the world on our shoulders. We're expected to do so much. But, you know, I would say like, you gotta be true to yourself and you can't conform to what society tells you to. Like they tell us like, get a man, get married, have kids. <laughs> Uh, work whenever I guess like take care of your kids and after your kids get a certain age then you can get back to work and stuff like that I think now as millennials and I guess gen z's we're like we're trying to uh say like it's okay to do our own narrative and stuff like that and you know I guess that's what I would say about being a woman a minority woman in business like just just be prepared for a hard, long road because it's going to be hard and long, but it's going to eventually be worth it at the end. Like it's going to be worth it, but you got to get through it first. It's just not going to happen unless you just got bomb connections and bomb products straight out the gate. So yeah, patience, consistency. I saw on, I saw on LinkedIn that you recently posted that you, you bought a new car. How, how did, how did that feel? <laughs> it felt great. Let me say this. Okay. So the post before that I paid off my student loans. So I paid off about $43,000 with the student loans in 3.5 years, making about 32 K a year. I'm, it's definitely less than 35 K, but 32 K a year. And, um, starting next month, I'm like, I had a lot of people in my inboxes asking like, how the F did you do that? And, <laughs> and I was just like, listen, and if I can, and if I could give a piece of advice real quick, cause I'm not trying to promote this, but, um, you know, I took advantage of this forbearance that we had. If it wasn't for this two year forbearance that we had, I would, I would still have at least 15 grand left in student loans I tell people if you have student loans and you have a job right now you pay off that student loans you because that is it's not the loan that's a problem it's the interest that's the yes, problem yes. that I did not did I do not owe this 44k I'm okay with paying back but why am I getting six seven percent exactly added onto that mm-hmm. and I feel like, honestly the government they need to start making different laws when it comes to 
student loans, like instead of six months until you have to pay that back after you graduate, it, it might take six months for you to get a job. Yeah, that is what like, cripples you. Yeah, right. You might have to take a job that's not in your field, but pays until you can get the job that you need that you had that you took out this loan for. And I feel like, you know, there should be a two year forbearance uh, after you graduate from from school or when you when you're done from school to get acclimated and to start paying off that that loan before any type of interest is added because like it I feel I just feel like you got to give people grace six months is not enough grace give them two years after they're done with their with their school with their uh, classes and once they get their degree to then you know, give them that time, give them that space, and then add on the interest and stuff like that. But basically what I did is some of it was a lot of, was, was luck. I'm not going to lie. I would say it's like 80, 80% work, 20% luck. I did DoorDash, Instacart, you know, I did Airbnbs. I, there's the Texas winter storm happened in 2021. I was, I, uh, I applied for that grant and I had six months of rent paid. Uh, within that, I had roommates. I was on a college campus and I was I had to share a townhome with five roommates because the rent was cheap. It was less than $600 a month. It's just what are you willing to sacrifice in order to get that stuff done? And people think like you need a lot of money in order to pay off debt, which yes, having an ample amount of money is important, but also it's what are you doing on the side and one paycheck over here towards student loans and one paycheck was just strictly for myself and that was just bills and stuff like that so I was able to pay off my loans and then I still had some money left over and that money that was left over went to the car and then I was gracious to have my mom um, know how important the student like just getting away from debt and stuff like that and she was able to loan me uh the remaining balance which wasn't too wasn't a lot but I told her like I'd rather just pay you off than to pay them off and then have that interest still yeah yeah still pay my back but (laughs) congratulations on that and I resonate with your story so well and this is something we're gonna have to talk about in another probably in another podcast episode but Coming from the Caribbean, coming from St. Vincent and Grenadines, I came to the U.S. on a student visa to study, and I took out $120,000 student loan from my home country to come to the U.S., um, which half of that was um, transitioned into U.S. money. And when I finished undergrad, I was working at I was working at a, a retail shoe a shoe store. And, and selling shoes with an undergraduate degree and, and living with my sister. And every pay that I got, that pay was going back home into St. Vincent to pay for that student loan. And when, when I finally paid off that student loan, which was, I think was like three, four years ago, I was so excited and so happy because that was not the only student loan I had. I had to take out an additional one um, to finish my undergrad and an additional one to finish my graduate degree. And it was like student loan on top of student loan. And it is, it is so crippling and it's something we're going to have to talk about in another, in another episode, in another session, because I have so much stories and, and so much sacrifices. I couldn't go and shop for new underwears. I couldn't go and buy new clothes and all of this stuff. I was I was on a noodle diet because I know I had to pay back this student loan and get it off of my chest. And so it, student loans are so crippling. They are so, and I'm hoping that the government can really do something about it to free up um, students that are coming out with these student loans because it's really, uh, a detriment to to you trying to get out of debt and trying to make it on your own in 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 society. So um, really, congratulations on that. And and we can talk about this at another at another time. But this was amazing, amazing, amazing. I think we went over but thirty minutes. But who cares? People people are gonna they're gonna love the discussion, the information, and and what you bring to the table. 
And I'm sure some young woman, some young lady is going to see this and be encouraged in what she wants to do uh, with her life going forward. So thank you so much, Erica, for stopping by the Network Hour podcast. Uh, tell our, our listeners where they can find you, your website, and stuff like that. So my website is www.iambrownoriginations.com. You can also follow me at I Am Brown Originations on Facebook and on Instagram. Um, with this system that I'm trying to hire, we will be on TikTok soon, shortly. And so um, also on LinkedIn, um, you can just look me up on Erica Miles, A-E-R-I-K-A-M-I-L-E-S. And then I have uh, MED for Masters of Education um, as a tag at the end and stuff like that. And I'll be posting stuff about my business. I haven't put it on LinkedIn simply because like, um, I know I have colleagues that I have worked in higher education in, in sports animation administration field um, there. And it's like, um, let me wait a little bit until I get a little bit more um, stable. But then I was like, why would I have to wait? Like, let me just do that. I don't yeah. care what they mean because I'm out of it right now. I'm kind of doing my own thing. I'm happy being in working in tech out of all out of all uh, genres. I'm doing tech, uh, working in a tech company, uh, which I never thought beforehand. And I'm happy. So why not, you know, showcase that? And I showcase certain articles and stuff like that. But um, it's time to if I if I if if I'm saying I can't like you said I should not say that I'm a really small business. I should. I should uh, market myself as something to take seriously of. So I'll start doing that on LinkedIn. But yeah, just that's just how you follow me. I am Brown Originations. Thank you so much. And again, this has been another episode of the Network Hour podcast. I had so much fun talking to Erica and I, I, I know she had fun too. And you will see us again. Uh, we get, we have to come back to give you some information and talk about student loans that because that's going to be a hot button topic. But for now, thank you so much. And until next time, enjoy, live, laugh and love. Bye, everyone.